Welcome to the Better Results Podcast by Obsidian Solutions. Hi everyone, this is Aaron. Today's episode is all about order fulfillment and inventory management. Our guest today is Conrad Rowleader, founder of ClearEntity. Conrad targets small businesses that are too big to continue using Excel spreadsheets, but they're too small for a big solution like Oracle or NetSuite. In today's episode, you're going to learn what type of questions you should be asking yourself as you're trying to implement some of these different program suites to help you manage your orders and your inventory. So without further ado, our interview with Conrad. Record button. All right. So hello there, Aaron Pfeiffer, Obsidian Solutions. We're here talking today with Conrad Rowleader, the founder of ClearEntity. E-commerce operations optimized. Conrad, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for uh, bringing me on today, Aaron. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. I think uh, the conversation today is going to be very good. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, e-commerce operations and optimizing that for business owners. And in particular, correct me if I'm wrong, Conrad, you really focus on those kind of small to medium tier businesses that are just too big to continue doing things from an Excel spreadsheet, but not big enough to go after a giant enterprise solution, right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, back in the day, all you used to have was NetSuite or Oracle or these really huge ERP style systems that would do everything for your business. And it's, it's important to know that these exist, but the reality is most companies don't have $30,000 or more to spend on a solution like that every year. Right. So what's been pretty cool is with the developments in software that we've seen, there have been a lot of people who took the same concepts, boiled it down into a smaller, more affordable package that we call cloud inventory. And it allows people to, for a few hundred dollars a month, track their inventory from supply chain all the way through fulfillment a lot better. So, so, so yeah. targeting our audience today, because obviously this isn't going to apply to everyone. Explain and, and, you know, identify with the business owners that may be listening this far into it so that they can say this topic today is going to be useful for me. Um, What are these companies who, who, you know, are they selling on what platforms, what type of products, what kind of volumes, who's kind of that ideal customer? Right. So ideal customers for these kinds of things, really it's anything where it's more than just like two people. So once your team is, is three or four, you know, I've seen teams upwards of 50 still using software like these ones that we're talking about. Um, in terms of revenue dollars, uh, that can be anything above probably about half million dollar sales upwards of 50 million I've seen still being successful on these platforms. So um, in terms of product, this can really be just about anything. And, and that's why this is pretty tricky because when these guys decided to make new software packages, they kind of targeted them to specific use cases or specific sellers, right? So if you're a retail arbitrage guy, you might pick a different platform than the guy who has a private label thing that he's doing. And even private label can be split into, hey, do we just buy it from a vendor or do we have to do some manufacturing, some assembly type stuff on site? You know, right. depending on how robust your, your your operations are, I would probably recommend different solutions depending on what your use case is. So. Okay, so so how are your, we're talking e-commerce here. Um, 
are you talking about I'm self-fulfilling? Is this Amazon fulfillment? Is this overstock? How, how can, where all can all this play? I mean, I'm guessing from your perspective, anywhere, right? It just depends on how you want to do it and then finding the right solution for them, right? It really is anyone, anywhere. But I think that the, the nuance here is that, and as we know from engineering, the more complex you get, the more difficult and the more expensive your operations become, right? So if you're trying to do this all on spreadsheets, it gets exponentially harder to do. And that's why a software like this really shines through when you say, look, I'm selling on eBay, Amazon, I've got my own website, I've got a wholesale operation in the back that's you know pushing stuff wholesale. I, I'm doing a lot of sales, but I also have a complex fulfillment uh, network. You know, I have my own, I'm doing Amazon FBA, and I've got a third-party logistics company over here. By the time you're here, it's just it's a nightmare to run everything through 20 different apps. This right. is where we start to see the power of centralizing this into one app that can do it for you know between 200 and a thousand dollars a month usually. So. I want to just jump in real quick and clarify a point you said there from engineering. Let me just highlight Conrad's background is actually chemical engineering from Colorado School of Mines, um, and and through that, really what that means is is process optimization. And now he's doing that more on the e-commerce side um, as opposed to chemical side and in oil and gas and all of that. But it's still the same kind of process. You've got your raw inputs. How do we optimize them and make it profitable at the backside of that? So I, I just wanted to touch on that, that engineering experience. It's something we share. That's part of, the, part of the reason why we communicate and work well together. So for our audience to understand a little bit more of your background, I think that's relevant. Let me yeah, ask. No, so, thank you. So as well, let's say I'm not on Amazon. I'm not doing, you know, overstock.com. I'm not doing any of that. Sure. I, I am a business owner that in the back we build, we manufacture a widget or picture frames or gift baskets. Um, and I'm just selling those direct and I'm putting them through FedEx. Is that still somebody that you can work with? And, and if so, what type of things should they be looking for in their operation to say, you know what, we are ready to start looking at this integrated solution. Right. So this is actually a really great example because I've seen many companies in this position. And when we talk about it with them, they say, yeah, I'm just, I don't know if I can justify two or $300 a month. And, and the reality is what these software programs do for you is help you to formalize and even push you to have new processes that you don't even have yet. So one of my, one of the ones that I highlight most often is everybody, they know what's coming in in their supply chain, but they don't have it written down or it's on a whiteboard or a sticky note. Right. They don't even have a spreadsheet yet. Um, the point is, is like the purchase order is really the beginning of your entire supply chain and informs everything else all the way through to the accounting. Okay, so this will have your unit costs. It will help you parse between your buy cost versus your land cost. And so you can see what your margins are and how they differ there. You really wanna start capturing this data as early as possible. And if you don't have a robust purchase order process, you're missing out on a lot of really valuable data for your, for your company. Oh, so, but Conrad, I have that taken care of. It's, it's in QuickBooks. Right, and so th this is a good example, QuickBooks, tries to do this and and this is some of my own um philosophy when it comes to software but really you should be picking software based on what it does best and whether you're talking quickbooks or zero or there's 10 other ones now out there fundamentally those are just a ledger system meaning they organize your data in a nice way that you can produce a set of financial 
books, right? What they're not great at is doing things like controlling your inventory. So yes, they have a purchase order module, but you, you lack a lot of the granularity about like, hey, where is it in transit? Um, can I parse buy versus landed cost? Usually you can't do that kind of thing in QuickBooks. As well as, great, look, I actually have two separate warehouses. QuickBooks doesn't really track multiple warehouses very well. You know, and in the same way, you can't use it to leverage, you can't leverage it in such a way that you can maximize your, your fulfillment process either. It's not gonna have a lot of the plugins like direct uh, USPS label printing, whereas some of these uh, some of these software packages do, you know, so it really, the, the, the thought process here is take all of fulfillment and inventory control and get that out of QuickBooks because that's not what QuickBooks was made to do. Right. They added it on. It works for a really small business, but by the time you have three or four people, you're not, you're not a hobby business anymore. It doesn't right. really work for you. You know, well, point in case I've, I've sat down with a client before where they're, they're, systems were just a mess. They had a different ordering system and because they had a different ordering system, different ordering system, different invoicing system, different production system. So yeah. they're coming in, they're taking in their, their orders from their clients. Then mm -hmm. the salesperson is doing data entry to fulfill their order. Now they print that out and they take a hand copy print out to the shop, which now it's got to go into their production system, which means their production manager is re-inputting this data again and then they're going through that whole process. And guess what? Once that's all done and complete, now he takes his report and the initial report, takes that mm -hmm. to accounting, and then they, they do it all over again for the third time now. So people exactly. may say, I don't have $200, $300 a month to spend on this. What are you talking about? How many hours are you putting in those three employees to, to do the same job, essentially, right? Right. I, I think that's a really good example because you know, and, and to hit on one piece of the technology side, yes, these would centralize it. And specifically the use case you're talking about here, I would say immediately, these clients need to look at one called SIN7, C-I-N-7, or one called Deer Systems. And both of these packages, there's a price difference, you know, it depends on what the client needs. And, and I would recommend one over the other, depending on what they're doing. But the point is, is that they can start tracking their, their purchase orders then they can know no matter how many warehouses they have, they can track everything at each warehouse. And then like you talk about the production jobs, their, their production module is built into the software here. So you can have that just go straight away without ever having to walk anything outside. You just right. click, click a button and it's gone, you know? Right. And then lastly, all the accounting information that this activity generates will, it's, they have an automatic integration to QuickBooks. So we don't have to even worry about then getting into QuickBooks. We just click another button and it goes right over for right. it. It's just another API into QuickBooks, which it has thousands of for just about everything, right? There you go. Right. So you, you threw out some of the different names there, SIN7 and Deer Systems. Sure. I, I, I'm a business owner that knows my systems are not in the best shape. Sure. What do I need to know to, to go through? What are some names I should be researching or what should I be looking for? How do I know SIN7 is what I need or Deer Systems or what questions do I need to be looking at internally to, to even go through that path? For sure, for sure. So, and, and I think the best way to illustrate this is the way I've seen it done in the past versus how we should do it in the future, right? So in the past, clients would hop on the Google and you know they start typing in cloud inventory 
and you'll find names like Stitch Labs or Skubana, um, maybe something like Trade Gecko, and all of these are useful for particular businesses in the right scenario, but they don't apply to every business, and usually those ones that you find on the Google are extremely expensive platforms as well. They have a very robust marketing arm, and right. they're good at that. That being said, their platform may not be the best fit for you. So, you know, again, what they would do is, is my clients would typically, they'd go find five or 10 of these, they'd sign up for a one hour demo, and they'd have a salesperson sit there and sell them the platform. And at the end, they're almost just as confused as when they started because they're convinced now 10 platforms work for them, when in reality, it's maybe two or three. Yeah. So to get to your specific question, what, what kinds of things do you need to be looking at? First of all, know very clearly and be able to articulate all of your sales channels. If you have multiple Amazon Seller Central accounts, that can make a difference because sometimes they don't integrate to multiple Amazon accounts. Sometimes it's only one. Same thing, if you have two or three Shopify accounts or big commerce or whatever your shopping cart is, you, you better know and you better be able to articulate that. Um, eBay is another one. I see it all the time. They only support one eBay channel. So if you've got two or three, better be careful. Um, in the same way, you need to know a lot about your fulfillment strategies. If it's just your local warehouse and you guys have kind of been winging it, which is totally fine, you'll be fine on most platforms. But the moment you have two or three warehouses or you bring in a third-party logistics, which is an outsourced warehouse and fulfillment, um, the moment you have that sort of complexity, you instantly cut away half or a third of the field, or you need to be ready to spend some money on custom development to integrate your third-party logistics company to this new software. You know? right. um, I, think, I think identifying those inputs, as we say, those, that's the first step. But then there's also some qualitative stuff about how robust does my reporting need to be? If I'm just pulling a report just to kind of see some general numbers once a month, you'll probably be fine on just about anything. But if you're wanting really advanced prediction models or automated um, purchase order events, you know, like if you get too low on stock, it, it auto generates a purchase order for you. That's really going to change what, which one you're going to be looking at as an, as for instance. Um, right. Yeah. And then, and then same thing, uh, always talk to your accountants. That's one thing that I don't see happening enough is people don't wrap their accountants into this discussion and say, what does the accountant need to be successful? Right. Um, depending on what they need, they can really change which one you end up on. Well, what's interesting about any of these type of changes is you go through the process of how many people right now still walk around and they use a paper clip or a, a, a clipboard with paper on it and they're doing manual inventory or something like that. Exactly. For them to wrap their head around it being done digitally and maybe you only have to do that once a year just to make sure nobody stole something from inventory or didn't, you know, didn't replace it or something. Okay, yeah, do that check. But mm -hmm. the concept of this is going to potentially change my entire workflow. Yep. You got to take it one chunk at a time and okay, yeah, don't, don't, maybe don't worry about the reports or do worry about the reports because now you can have a better relationship with accounting. The fact that your entire workflow work process is potentially going to change for the better is something to be grateful for, excited about. I do know some clients, when I talk automation with them, they say, oh, but my employees, they're worried that they're going to lose their job. And the real focus here has to be, it's not a matter of losing your job. Yeah, your, 
you're doing the remedial tasks and you're automating some of these things that are so simple, they're essentially pushing a button. Data entry three times, right? right. This opens up your employees to do higher level tasks. So, okay, they don't have to do data entry. What else can they be doing? Can they be doing sales? Can they be doing something with operations? Looking yeah. at a new way to fabricate. That's where the real value in this type of software and looking at some of this, I think, really lies, right? Well, and I think it's really important that you bring up the human aspect here because this is one of those things. It, it plays into how software gets implemented. And I've seen this firsthand where the teams aren't brought in, you know, they don't have the buy-in from the new teams going to be learning it. Um, and all of a sudden implementation is 14 or 16 months long. It's a nightmare. Okay. But at the same time, addressing some of these concerns in my personal experience, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all, but in so far in my experience, I've never once seen someone implement a cloud inventory and then immediately lay off or fire people. I've just not personally seen it. Yeah. So I, I can't even say that it doesn't happen either. So, but what is important is like you said, it, it frees them up to do these higher level things. Your, your employees want to be fulfilled just as much as you do as a business owner. They're going to naturally be curious about doing things a better way. And if they don't have to do triple data entry, they're going to have more free time to actually make your company better from, from the ground up, you know? Right. So I would agree that I think that's one of the biggest things is the human aspect and helping everyone know that this is for the team to succeed. And if anything, this is preventing you from hiring two or three more people in the future, as opposed to firing two or three now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So after hearing some of that as a business owner, maybe I'm starting to think, you know what, it, it's worth doing a little research. What's, what's the best way for me to go through and kind of just see what's out there before I go out and contact somebody, maybe to just do it for me, or maybe mm -hmm. I want to self-implement it. How can I kind of come up to speed as quickly as possible? Right. So um, unfortunately, I don't have that built yet. And that is actually something I'm working on in an, in, a, in an approach that's very agnostic. So you can start to see what the field is. I'm developing rubrics to actually rank these against each other in a way that makes sense to us as business owners, as opposed to us being given a sales pitch. And right. I want to change that relationship. That being said, right now, the best approach really is to come talk to an expert, you know, someone like myself, there are lots of other people out there. Um, most of those other people will specialize in a specific platform. So I do recommend trying to find someone who's agnostic. Um, even still, starting with your accountants, your accountants probably know someone to talk to. If you don't have a reference point for that, just talk to your accountants and say, this is what we're trying to do. They usually have a very robust professional network of people who can help facilitate that decision making. So do start there. Again, there's always the Google and, and starting there. Uh, but again, recognize that, that will end up costing you several hours while you go sit on sales pitch calls and, and right. demos. And you'll get a lot of good information out there. It is free learning. So I do recommend doing those demos, but do recognize that there is that natural tendency to try and sell you on the platform, you know? Well, and, and you touched on it with the accounts. Word of mouth is always a great way. Anytime you're looking to implement something new, go talk to some, in some cases, I always recommend, can you become friends with one of your competitors? Know what they're doing in the space. If you can have a friendly relationship, then, they can give you some good recommendations as well. If it's a good, healthy relationship, right? Yeah. Not trying to torpedo right. you, but also your vendors. 
if you're buying inventory from somebody to restock your warehouse, odds are they have a warehouse of their own too, right? So it's true. Uh, and your salesperson would love to have an excuse to come by and say hi and get in your face a little bit. So why not take advantage of that and, and learn something else about their business or get in touch with their warehouse manager and see what other opportunities can come from right. as well, right? And, and, and you bring up a really cool aspect here. I think one of, my, one of my best clients, actually, he and a college buddy run two separate companies and they played football together and they both do basically the same exact thing. So they are competing against each other in the marketplace, but at the same time, they both tweaked their operations enough that they are different and they bounce ideas off each other all the time because they have that trust established, you know? Right. And yeah. even in the same way, when you go on and you go to the first Scubana or the first Stitch Labs demo and you say, great, this all looks good. Always, always, always put their feet to the fire and say, who are your top three competitors? And go look at their top three competitors or, you know, and, and a lot of times these salespeople are pretty, pretty decent. And they'll say, you know what, look, this may not be the best fit. Instead, I'd recommend these two or three lower priced uh, softwares out there. You know, go get a demo with, I think one of my favorite cheap ones right now is called Skew Labs. Um, it's cheap just because they have a very tight focus and they haven't had time to build out their software, but it has some really cool features and a lot of CSV, um, you know, flat file import functionality. So it plays in well with a company that's just getting off the of spreadsheets. And by SKU Labs, just to clarify too, you mean SKU as in the SKUs on the back of products and things like that. Correct. Right. And, and just for anyone who hasn't heard that term, SKU is short for stock keeping unit. And it's really just a unique identifier that says, this is how I identify my products and can be independent of anyone else's skew in the world. So, yeah. You know, one more question that just comes to mind. We talked a little bit about make sure you're including your accountant. Who all needs to be, and in some organizations you're small enough, the one, one person is going to be the person. But if you have a, a larger sized or what, what roles, what operation hats, even as a small business, do I need to be wearing finance and accounting, you had said, um, inventory, what, what else, who should be involved in this conversation internally? Right. So seeing as the focus is on the inventory, you know, it, it will be your decision makers, your CEO, your CFO, if those are separate people, it will be whoever's the head of inventory at the time. Um, and I would say really, if you have a larger organization that's, you know, 10 or more people, you're going to want to pick a kind of an elite beta testing team where you have everyone else who's doing everything the old way and keeping the wheels on the bus while we're driving 90 miles an hour down the road. But then you have your kind of elite team who says, great, we're going to be open to having really inventive new ideas. We're going to be open to trying things and intentionally breaking it to figure out what's going to work for us. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to just completely knock it out from stem to stern, including your accountants, including your fulfillment guys, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably one of the best strategies I've ever seen implemented. Well, and the earlier you get everybody involved, I think you get, you get the advantage of more ideas, more eyes on it, more people can offer ways that you can break it. And that's, that's right. a good thing because if you can think of the ways to break it now, then you can try to optimize and you can figure out how to answer those questions before you're using the system. Yeah. Then because they're getting their voice heard and they're getting that chance to challenge the system, you're going to get their buy-in. And if with their buy-in, you're actually going to see 
hopefully better adoption rate. And that's at the end of the day, one of the biggest obstacles, right, is the implementation and adoption by employees that actually use it and use it correctly. Absolutely. And, and I think that that adoption rate, you know, really does start, like you said, at the beginning, though, it, it really starts with selecting the right platform to start. Because if you don't pick the right platform, if it doesn't really fit your business and never will, it doesn't matter how good your team is, there's a mismatch there that can't be overcome, you know? Yeah. So after the selection is done properly, then yes, it, it does come back to how do we orchestrate the team as a whole to get them implementing together as a team. Again, like you said, willing to break things and get it right today instead of waiting six months to ask the difficult questions. Um, Cause I think that's probably what I've seen happen the most often too, is they select a great system. They, they only really do implementation halfway and they say, ah, yeah, that's good enough. And then six months down the road, they're like, oh geez, we didn't even think about this scenario. And that doesn't really work. And now you feel pinned because you, you've just been on this platform for six months. Well, and I was just going to say that that opens a valid question, which I've encountered myself in my previous life. At what point do you say, you know what, we're six months into this. I just don't think this is ever going to work. Do I now do I pivot or well, I've already had six months invested. I guess I may as well put in another six months or mm. have you ever seen a situation where, you know what, we went down a path and we, we just got to start over. Yes, I have. And, and I mean, I have people call me all the time. The, and, and the number one offender out there is called Fishbowl. Fishbowl is very well known. Everyone thinks they should be on it. It's one of these platforms that you pay up front and then you never pay again, which is, that's pretty cool. And that is attractive. And I get that. But the number of times I've heard people saying, oh my God, Fishbowl just isn't working. I need something else. It's, it's like a hundred to one. I, I don't think I've ever actually heard of anyone staying on Fishbowl and being successful in the long term. It might work for two years, but eventually I, I've only heard of people coming off of it. So you know, to your point though, six months is probably that threshold. If you're not seeing success in the first three months and month six is rolling around and you're still not feeling comfortable, I definitely recommend exploring new options. And importantly, ask for your money back. This, this is the money aspect is one of those things that tells, it tells us, you know, internally, like, well, I've already paid that money. Go ask for a back. The worst they're going to do is say no. Right. But I've seen a lot of times when you can calmly and professionally articulate all the shortcomings of implementing the solution and how it's not fulfilling your needs and you feel like you weren't, you know, sold on the right platform, they'll give you a lot of your money back, if not all of it. I've seen many cases where they just really? give it all back, you know. Wow, that's, wow, that's interesting to know. That's a great, great piece of information. Actually, my next question, one of my tie-up questions here at the end was going to be, what's one piece of advice that you would give um, everybody out there that's a piece of maybe insider knowledge that that's a good one to be aware of ask for your money back and you've seen success with that is there any other when I set set that out there is there anything else that in your mind is just the one thing that maybe seems blatantly obvious or maybe it's an industry kind of secret that you sure. just wish everybody knew when they went through this process or an implementation whatever it might be yeah, I, I, think, I think recognizing the entire process from start to finish, and this is one thing that I strive to do, is it really does begin at selection. And getting your selection right is important. Implementation is a, is a whole other game, though. It, it's, it's more the people aspect. It's more getting buy-in from the team and 
educating people in the way they want to be educated, not in the way you think they should be educated, which is, that's a whole ball game in and of itself. Right. Um, you know, and, and tied in with that is effective training, that it's not just that first beta testing team, it's making sure everyone gets effective training from start yeah. to finish. No, and that's something I see not happen very frequently. The last bit, and this is kind of the industry thing that you're asking about, is document it all. The first time you guys walk through it, write it all down. Say, this is the process we did, and this is what worked. Or, nope, nope, step number four is garbage. That doesn't actually work because it, it messes everything else up. Um, documenting your processes, and I think, Aaron, you'll agree to this, not only is it good for your team and future training, it's good for your business and saying, this is how we do business in our company, you know? And I think that that's, that's probably the last piece of this, of all of it that is documented because then your people know you're backing them up. Right. Well, and, and just to your point in general for business, you know, my kind of piece on it, I say that all the time to, to companies is do you have a documented work process. How do you onboard? How do you train somebody new documentation? Yeah, it sounds awful, but, and it can be depending on how, detailed it goes, but right. without documentation, you don't have a business process. You can't optimize right. anything. You don't understand where things are going right and going wrong. I can absolutely see how when you automate this, you know, there, there's a phrase or a, a quote I heard that uh, I just, I think yesterday, mm-hmm. something to the effect of, uh, I think Bill Gates had said something to the effect of, you can automate a good process to make it better and you can automate a bad process to make it worse, you know, <laughs> good in, good out kind of a deal, right? So yeah. make sure you're documenting that and you're getting everything figured out. So we're getting yeah. uh, at time here a little over maybe. Um, so Conrad, I want to thank you again. How can people reach out to you if they want to get a little bit more information um, and mm-hmm. if they want to potentially look to do business with you? Um, sure. Is there any incentives to, to give you a call and, sooner rather than later or anything along those lines? Um, well, so first of all, the best way is clearinity.com. It's the word clear, I-N-I-T-Y.com. Um, on there is a contact page. You can sign up to get on my calendar directly. You know, you're not going through anyone else. You'll be talking straight to me. We always have a, the first hour is free. I want to learn about your business. I want to learn about your problems. And I want to say, can I even help you to begin with? Because I, if I can't help you, I'm going to be very upfront about that. So that first hour free, most people get enough, enough direction that if they're going to go do it themselves, they'll just be successful with that alone. Um, alternately, again, if we realize that there would be some synergy and you'd like to work with me, then we can talk about what's going to be the best package for your team from that point forward. So I, I would say really start there. Start at the website, clearinity.com, and go from there. Awesome. And we will include that in the show notes as well as I'll throw in some of these different tag names and some of that piece, um, SKU awesome. labs and some of that just sent to you through those out there. Um, that's all I got. Any, any final parting thoughts or anything? No, again, I, I really appreciate you bringing me on today, Aaron, and have a great week. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You too. We'll have to look to do this again, especially once you get your rubrics and some of that piece put together. That'd be great to share and then put a voice to it as well. So for sure, Conrad, we'll talk to you again here soon. And thank you audience. Give us a call, uh, give us a message and uh, give us your feedback. Thanks. All right. I think I just stopped the recording. No, I didn't.
That will do it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you take the time to look into Deer Systems, Sin7, Stitch Labs, Trade Gecko, and give Conrad a call. He's offering a free one-hour consultation to those of you that hear the podcast, so make sure you take advantage of that. Also, make sure you check out Small Business Marketing, Grow Business, grow business Strategically Without Breaking the Bank. Our Kindle ebook is now also available in print exclusively through Amazon. Take care, and we hope to see you guys soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Better Results Podcast by Obsidian Solutions, hosted by Aaron Pfeiffer. If your business is looking to decrease operating costs, increase revenues, or create extra time for you and your employees, reach out to us. We specialize in strategy development, employee engagement, work process optimization, and simplifying your administration so you can focus on working on your business, not in it. Learn more at www.obsidiansolutionsllc.com. Comments for the show, or if you're interested to be a guest, contact us at the Better Results Podcast at obsidiansolutionsllc.com. And follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook at ObsidianSLLC. Thanks for tuning in.